0: interesting subject, and uh, as you look at first at the Ephesians passage, I want to put some of your minds at ease to let you know that I'm going to be pulling the entire context of submission into a much broader arena than just wives submitting to husbands. Just wanted to put put that out there. I know that some people have dived into this specific passage to talk about husbands and wives, and we're going to do that. But the context for which the New Testament writes about this submission and the definition for submission, it's involved in every relationship that we have, And it makes a difference in every relationship on Earth because of the definition we get from Scripture and not the definition that the world has. So that's what we're going to look at today. A little opening story at uh, the church that I pastored before I came to Living Water, one of the first business meetings I attended there. Turned out that there was a lengthy discussion that erupted when one person had suggested that maybe there might be a different way that we could do the gift bags of candy for the children who were going to participate in the Christmas musical that year, and you would have thought they had just asked us to rewrite the New Testament. I mean, it became contentious. Because one person decided there might be a more effective way or a, a less expensive way maybe somebody who had a Sam's club membership could go and get things wholesale and maybe we could do it a little slightly different way than we've done it in times past, etc et etc cetera, et cetera. and this one person just became red in the face and said, but we've always done it that way and we have to have an orange in every bag and we have to have this and it has to be done this way and it's got to look like that and boy, if you could have just removed all the words and only looked at her face, you'd think, I don't think this is the fruit of the Spirit that we're seeing here. (laughs) And yet, it, it almost erupted into the candy wars. Finally, some people submitted to her will because she'd always done it that way before and said, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to step on your area of ministry there. And if you're comfortable doing that again this year, well, of course I am. I've done it every year before. And so they went ahead and did candy the way they were supposed to do candy. And I was sitting there thinking to myself, Oh I think this church has a ways to go in trying to figure out what the, the sef- submission means scripturally. What is the definition of submission? And why did Paul write some of the stuff he wrote and some of the things that Peter had written as well? So we're going to look at that. First of all, If you'd like to read along, you may, Ephesians 5, the rewards of submission for wives. Now, I'm going to set the stage by just reading these scriptures. I may make a comment or two, but you're going to start to see the lens widen out as we look at this topic together. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. If we only stopped there, it would feel very unfair, wouldn't it? I'm glad that Paul doesn't stop there. Part of the rewards of wives who do this are that they get a husband who wants to do this. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. To make her holy, cleansing or sanctifying her by the washing with water through the word. And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. And lest you think that everybody's off the hook now and they say, that's even, okay, we've talked to wives, we've talked to husbands, there's mutual submission going on. Husbands sometimes need to get it a double dose. And so they go a little bit further with the husbands. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. We just participated in a sort of feast. The communion is a meal in which we have ingested the meaning of what it meant for Christ to give himself up for the church. For this reason, a man will leave his mother and father and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So there's mutual respect and love, and submission going on here, that if both are doing these things, then it's a reflection of what God started to initiate for us, even through the church and Christ's relationship with the church. We have God the Son, in this role that one of the three persons in the Godhead is playing out, and He submits to God the Father. And He does so willingly, and we're going to see that a little bit later. I don't often... uh, agree with a lot of stuff that happens on public media these days, but I found myself wanting to stay in my vehicle in a parking lot for a little bit longer to finish an interview that I was hearing before I could run in and run my errand, because I was listening to a guy named John J. Osborne. I thought his name sounded familiar, and I couldn't quite place it, so after I got home, I looked it up. If you saw that movie, The Paper Chase, years ago, this is the guy that wrote that. It was about his experience in law school. It's a great movie, by the way, but He has written a book, it's a novel, and it's called Listen to the Marriage. And what really struck me was that everything he was saying, I thought, I don't know if this guy's a believer or not, or if he's even read the Bible or not, but everything that he's saying that works for their marriage, is because it came out of the Bible. (laughs) If it came out of there intentionally, then he's just disguised it and not saying, hey, this is in the Bible, folks. But the reason things work so well is because it's a reflection of God's created order. So whether or not he's a believer, I just don't know that. I'd like to meet him someday, but I really enjoyed what he was saying. One of the things he said was he took some of the ideas for his book, this novel, from his own experience with his wife and four years of marriage counseling that they went to together. Four years is a long time. (laughs) In fact, at the end of that, the counselor finally said to them, okay, you need to do this on your own now. This was never created for me to hold your hand through the rest of your marriage. You need to go thou and do likewise. What he said was, I wanted this marriage counselor in this book, which only has three people involved. The husband, the wife, and the counselor. Those are the only people that you read about in the book. So basically, you're just walking, I think, all the way through these different counseling sessions. So that it would be pretty easy for you to say, oh, I can identify with that. I think I should do that too. I think it's great that he's doing it. But he said, the counselor said on their very first session, I'm not going to give you any deals. This is not going to be about making deals with each other. It's not going to be about, you promise to do this if you promise to do that. We're not going to have compromising here. He says, she says, it was a female counselor, she said, I'm going to instruct you on how to each of you become the person that would make your spouse want to fall in love with you. That's why I get excited about Ephesians, because that's what submission is about. Each person, if they take what God says to them individually to heart, they're going to become that husband that loves his wife and gives himself up for her so that she's going to want to fall madly in love with him and show him the kind of respect that he's hoping for. But as we try to start forcing that on each other, it ruins everything. It takes it down a path that we just shouldn't go down. The difference is in this drudgery, which happens when the world's definition of submit happens, Because that's all about rules, and I'm more important than you are, and so you have to do what I tell you to do. It's drudgery to submit to somebody like that. But it's a delight to submit to somebody that's loving you so much that you can't help but want to love them back. That's the difference. It's a Grand Canyon-sized chasm between those two thoughts, and that's what this guy's presenting in that book, which I thought, well, it's just straight out of Scripture. The concept is so foreign to our culture that if I could introduce you to a few of our friends, family friends, and say, I'd like you to read this Ephesians 5 thing and tell me what you think, I have a feeling I know what they would say. I think they would say, oh, this is nuts. You know, because I wouldn't do that. If you were telling me this is what marriage is all about, forget about it. I'm not doing that. That's stupid. This is so archaic. I mean, this... That's a historic document. That's something that happened 2,000 years ago. That doesn't reflect our culture. Well, it doesn't because the world just doesn't define submission in the same way that the Bible defines submission. Submission would revitalize every relationship we have if we use the definition that we're grabbing right out of scripture itself. Employees and bosses, it would make such a difference. I've worked for bosses who were tyrants. My way or the highway? kind of guys guys that were contentious if I were to told them I think it would be easier and more efficient if we could do that this way even if I was right just for the sake of being authoritative they would say nope you got to do it my way even though there's 14 extra steps to get you know to the end just because there's that ego that gets involved in somebody who's trying to say my way or the highway employees same thing if they could just submit and say okay I'm going to do this as unto the Lord instead of working for a human boss then I'm going to show them what it means to submit, not because they're right, but because I'm trying to reflect Christ and show them what it means to lay down my life for somebody else. Drivers and cops, I saw an example of that as I was dropping some friends of mine off at the game yesterday up at the stadium, and I got up to this big intersection right there at Main and Stadium. And there are throngs of people all trying to get into that stadium. And the cops are there, and there's this nice little lady on a microphone helping organize traffic and telling what a great team we have, and she sure hopes that we enjoy the game and this great victory that's going to be ours because of the Wolverines. (laughs) And these people were pumped up, and they were excited. And then the cops finally got ready to let this thronging crowd through, so they made sure that every street was stopped so that he's okay now you can cross and you can cross in any direction and it was just this this thronging crowd they're going cattywampus across the middle of the intersection and all that stuff well that went on for five minutes until I could finally turn left and then they finally got the crowd stopped and then the police officer was going to get ready to say tweet you can go now and he did that and I started to go and a couple started to run across right in front of me and I had to step on my brake so I didn't run into them and the cop said hey I stopped everybody. You have to kind of pay attention here. (laughs) And I could tell he was frustrated. And I thought, you know, I really respect these guys that are out there trying to protect our lives. And it really pays for us to show them some respect because of their authority. And I know that there's a lot of contentious things being done, said about cops in our country today. But you can read about a lot of these guys that do a world of good for folks too. And we are supposed to show them respect. The scripture tells us we're supposed to do that. Students and professors, you've had good ones, you've had bad ones. There are some, uh, these days you can go in as a college student, they'll say, my job is to rip right out from underneath you all of your equilibrium. So whatever you thought you knew, it's going to go right out the window. And that's their job. They're going to try to upend everything you thought you knew about something. And then there's the other professors that you just feel like, oh, they make learning so much fun. I, I can't wait to go to this guy's class because he makes learning so much fun. I want to learn. This guy is inspiring to me. It's the difference between drudgery and delight. Tyrant versus the mentor. As extreme pendulum swing away from rules and regulations and something that I read about recently because I've heard about it, but I just didn't know the origins. This the burning man phenomenon. Basic party out in the desert in northern Nevada. It started a long time ago with just a few people, and it's grown to this thing so that they actually had to start putting a cap on how many people could get there because there's like 70,000 people. And they camp out there, and basically all the rules are thrown right out. So you can do whatever you want to do for a week as long as you're supplying your own food and taking care of your own needs and you have a place to sleep. And Some people have started organizing camps and doing different things now. But what they discovered in this total mess of depravity when there are no rules, you can imagine what that might look like, what they discovered is that when you remove the rules, it's no longer safe for anybody. They had people that were wandering around stoned or drunk, and people would run into them with their automobiles because they were driving stoned or drunk, and they had no traffic rules, they had no layout for anything, it was just hodgepodge, so they actually had to start putting a big trash fence around to catch all the trash that people were throwing around. And then within the trash fence, they had to start a rule that says you can't drive a vehicle within there unless it's an art car because they were going to express through art these different things. And then they had to start building a perimeter, uh, a people perimeter, around the great burning man, which is the culmination of the event, this great 70-foot tall thing that burns, because some people were burned and then they tried to sue the organizers for being burned when they got too close to the burning man. It was an unsuccessful lawsuit ridiculous so what they're discovering is that even though people are shouting you're doing away with the no rules you know uh philosophy that we started with and they said yeah but we have to kind of have a few rules so isn't that interesting isn't it interesting that what they're starting to discover is oh maybe there are some healthy boundaries and if we submit to an authority or a boundary it's because our life is going to be better what a concept So you pendulum swing all the way into this anarchy like that, and what you've got spiritually is somebody that doesn't want anything to do with God. I'll just do my own thing. I'll be my own God. I can figure out how to do life, or I can submit to his authority and find out that he actually has my well-being and best interest at heart. Submit is not a four-letter word. Look what the Bible says. What sorrow, or means woe to those who say that evil is good and good is evil. And yet that's exactly what we have with the people that look at submit and say, oh, submit is an evil word. It's not. Not when you have the definition of the way the Bible shows it. I don't know if any of you have seen that documentary, The Making of a Murderer. It's an interesting look at the justice system. And there are some people in there that just make me so mad I could punch a wall. (laughs) Because I think they're not after the truth. They're just trying to prove themselves right and to advance their career. In one case, there was a young man Whose IQ was very, very low. He had no chance against these interrogators. And one person was said to have, uh, he was quoted as saying something like, They wanted a confession in the worst way, and they got their confession in the worst way. They got the confession, but it was a horrible confession. It was coerced. None of it was proved true. The kid was misled. He thought maybe if I could just do this, I can be done with this interrogation and I can go home. And then he started doing life for murder that he didn't commit, allegedly. Husbands, bosses, parents, teachers, all of these relationships will be so positively affected if we understand the biblical definition of submission and start doing things because we want to, not because we have to. How about that kid that wants to make some sort of a a breakfast for mom on Mother's Day? Normally, if you'd say, hey, I'd like for you to cook something up, and that kid, if it's her, her turn to cook that week, she'd go, oh, I hate doing this. I don't want to have to do this. Is it my day to do that again? But all of a sudden, Mother's Day comes around, and all of a sudden, they want to cook. They want. Why is that? The motivation shifts in a huge way when there's this want-to in submitting to something rather than feeling like it's drudgery. It's a delight instead. And that's exactly what Paul's trying to show us in the husbands and wives, slaves to masters. Peter goes into that a little bit too. In our case, instead of slaves and masters, it would be employees to employers. All of our relationships would be just revolutionized if we understood how to shift this around and start serving other people willingly out of delight rather than drudgery. Where can we find a positive example? Let's see if you can tell who this is written about. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have opened. Burnt offerings or purification offerings you did not require. Then I said, Here am I, I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. Who's this being written about? The Messiah. Jesus Christ, this is a psalm that's messianic, it's prophetic, it's looking ahead to the Messiah coming. And what does he say? God has opened my ears so I can hear his voice and do his will. Things have been written about me in the scroll. They've been foretold and his plan has been told about. I'm the answer to that plan. I want to do what God wants me to do so that his plan can be carried out. I desire to do your will, oh my God. Your law or your word is within my heart. Can you hear the want to? Can you hear the heartfelt desire to do God's will? That's Christ. That's God the Son willingly obeying God the Father because he wants to, because he delights to do the Father's will. Our family knows another family who has uh, taken in several foster children. They're actually trying to adopt a couple of them. A lot of hoops to jump through. It's a very difficult process. But there was one young girl especially who had just gone through several difficult situations in homes that were not giving her the kind of care that she probably needed at the time. And this father is trying to get through to this young lady the fact that she loves to be under their provision, she likes it when they provide for her, and their protection. You will protect me, you'll have my back but she still wants to act out and do things that step outside their boundaries, outside their rules. And so he had a good heart-to-heart with her one time. And he said, you know, I think it's really important for you to know that if you're going to be under our protection, you have a good house to live in. We keep it warm in the winter and cool in the summer. We try to provide good, healthy food for you. We're providers for you. You want to be under our provision. You want to be under our protection. But if you're under both of those things... You kind of have to be under our authority too. Because if you're not willing to be under our authority, then you're going to get harmed and we're not going to be able to provide in a way that's for your best interest. So when we give difficult rules for you, they seem difficult for you right now. It's not because we're trying to make your life miserable, it's because we love you. And he says, My job as a dad now is to try to live out an example of Christ like fatherly love for her in such a way that she'll get it someday and she'll graduate from our home into whatever life God has for her and be able to say, I understand now. Authority is there for good reason. If I submit to good authority, my life is better. Don't you want to submit to this kind of God? The God who has control over the winds and the waves? Who can calm the storms like we sang about a few minutes ago? Peace, be still. That's all he has to say. I want to serve that kind of God. How about the kind that restores a demon-possessed man to wholeness who was seen walking around fully clothed and in his right mind after he'd been living in the tombs for a while? I want to serve that kind of God. The one who stands against tyrannical religious leaders and turns over money-changers' tables in the temple because they turned it into something that was so completely backward from what God had in mind in real, true worship. I want to serve that kind of God. The kind of God that would heal a man on a Sabbath and do it in knowing that other people would be there and become angry about it, angry enough to want to have him killed. Doesn't this kind of God fill you with awe? The kind of God that would heal a man on a mat, tell him, first of all, your sins are forgiven, and when people were muttering about it, he says, and so that you can see that I have authority to forgive sins, pick up your mat and walk. And the man does so, and he walks out in the presence of God and everybody, and what is the... What's the reaction of the people there? They were filled with awe. And they praised God who had given such authority to this man. That's the kind of authority that we want to be under so that whatever we do in submitting to him, it's not drudgery. It's a delight because we delight to do his will just as Christ delighted to do the Father's will. I want to have you close your eyes for just a moment and I'm going to lead you lead you through a couple of questions and then a couple of brief prayers as we finish up today I'm wondering if there might be some of you today that God might even be speaking to you about changing your heart in some area as it relates to submission maybe you've been struggling about submitting in some area of your life could it be that you've been struggling with your submission to somebody else if so spend just a moment and ask God to help you understand what he wants you to do based on his word and could it be that you've been struggling because you've hardened your heart towards somebody maybe God wants you to submit by praying for that person not praying that they will be smitten but praying that they will find freedom and peace and wholeness Would you look for ways to be compassionate toward them, even though your flesh wants to see them harmed in the same way you were harmed? Will you ask God to start setting your heart free from the bondage that can oppress us when we don't surrender to God's goodness? And maybe some of you are sensing God calling you to do something. And you want to submit, but you're not quite sure how to do that yet. You're not sure which direction he's giving you. Uh, instruction to you about maybe you're kind of paralyzed by fear maybe he's calling you to do something far away some of you may be called to do something crazy and go on a mission trip or become a full-time missionary or go into full-time ministry or maybe he's calling you to do something by walking right across the street and talking to a neighbor that you had a difficult conversation with or maybe he's asking you to do something right where you work and live to reflect Christ to those people spend just a moment and ask God to reveal to you, what it is you can do and help him to release that fear and just trust him as you follow his leadership. God, I pray that you'll wrap up all these prayers by answering them in your way and helping us to be willingly submitting to your will that brings freedom and life and joy. And I thank you for what you're going to do as we do that. Amen. I have noticed, and I had some people point this out to me. We had a nephew living with us for a short time a few years ago. And he said, Uncle, I noticed that when you're happy, you hum out loud. And you do it a lot. He said, which is good, because that means you're happy a lot. He said, but I've never been around somebody that hums all the time. And I, I started noticing that that was true, because I'd never had anybody point it out to me before. But you know, I noticed that, that after I'd come through a difficult season... And I'd really just wrestled through some stuff, and I was praying and reading God's word, and then I went to sleep with God's word on my heart. Then I woke up, and the first thing I started doing as I was in the bathroom brushing my teeth was I started humming out loud. And I literally knew at that instant that when we're under God's authority and we're submitting to Him, He literally puts a song in our heart. For me, it's literal. And it I can't stop from singing, I can't stop from humming. It's gotta come out. (laughs) And I would pray that all of us, as we start to surrender and submit to God to do what he wants us to do to reveal his love to others, that he will put that song in our heart because we just can't stop from singing.